Go to Romans 8th chapter, please. Romans 8. I think we'll go to Romans 8 and then 1 Corinthians 8. In uh, Romans 8th chapter and verse 28, he said, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We began some weeks ago a series we were calling Loving Him. There's a, a lot of talk in Christian circles about God loving us, and that's good. You can't get too much of that. But that's not all there is to it. There's another side of this, and that's us loving Him. He said... We know that all things work together for good. Now, a lot of people stop right there. They put a period there. And they say, well, you know, the Bible said everything's working out for the good. No, that's not what that said. The Bible did not say everything is working out for the good. It said God's causing everything to work together for good to a specific group of people. To them that love God. Does everybody love God? No, they don't. As we've already covered, there's a lot of folks on this earth that actually hate God. Not my words, the Bible's words. There are many haters of God in the world. And there's a misconception, even among church folks, that if folks just knew how much God loved them, they'd love him back. Or if you knew God and saw who he really is, you'd love him. Everybody would. That's not true. I said, that's not true. Jesus said to the individuals that were even the leadership, religious leadership in his day, he said, they have seen and hated both me and my father. You couldn't say they didn't really know what God was like. They're looking at him. They're hearing him with their own ears and they hated it. Are y'all with me, friends? See, there's misconceptions that need to be changed. Mind renewal that needs to occur. No. Truth is, God's in us. He's in his church. All through the earth. I'm not saying everything we've said and done has represented him perfectly, but there's a lot of things that's coming through us that's him. And when people see that and they hate it, they think they just got a problem with us. But the thing is, they don't like him. So there are those that love him and there are those that don't. And everything is not working out for the best for everybody on the planet. No, sir. No, ma'am. But to those that love God. Oh, I said to those that love God. There's some amazing things going on. Listen to just a few of these. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. When he's tried, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. The list goes on. But these promises are not for everybody. They are for those that love him. Go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 8th chapter, please. 1 Corinthians 8. You know, you got people's varied opinions and experiences. You got political correctness. You got a whole barrage of things. And then you got the truth. The truth of God's word that'll make you free. People say, well, I, I got a right to my beliefs. Just like you got a right to your beliefs. Actually, that's not correct. If you're a Christian, you don't have a right to your own beliefs. You're supposed to believe what he told you to believe. You're supposed to believe this Bible. Not just make up stuff as you go along. <laughs> True or not? Well, we're excited today, aren't we? We're, can you feel the excitement? Well, we're moving on through. <laughs> well, there's too much junk going around. There's too much confusion. And uh, we, we need to... Quit being so afraid that somebody's going to be offended by the Bible and uh, couch them with soft words of confusion while they go off the deep end. No. Sometimes you need to be jarred a little bit. Right? Like that young man that went away from home. He needed to come to himself. Sometimes you need to wake up and go, whoa, what have I been believing? What, what is this? Where did I get that? Where did I get that? In 1 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, in the 2nd verse. If any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet, as he ought to know it. I don't care what kind of genius you may be purported to be. And if you really do know some stuff, you don't know anything about it compared to what God knows. And compared to what there is to be known about it, for one simple reason, you just had not been around long enough. If you've been around a hundred years, that's nothing. That's a tenth of one day to God. If you've been around a hundred years, that's one tenth of one day to God. Because to him, a thousand years is like a day. Or like a watch in the night, like last night. Anybody aware of last night? Can you remember last night? What last night seems like to you, that's what a millennia passing seems like to God. And his perspective of it is right. His perception of time is right. We just hadn't been here very long. We just don't know much. <laughs> that's the truth. When he says, my little children... It's not a figure of speech. <laughs> verse 3. But. Now let's go back to verse 2. Because he starts drawing a contrast. If any man thinks that he what? Knows anything. He knows nothing yet. As he ought to know. But. Verse 3. But. If any man love God. He's drawing a contrast. Between knowing things. And loving God. Contrast. The same is known of him. Now known. Deals with the experiential. Not theoretical. 
Doesn't God know everybody? Not in this sense. No. Jesus talked about there'll come a time when he'll say to different ones, depart from me. I never knew you. Does that mean he didn't know about them? No, he knew about them. But he didn't know them. Why didn't he know them? They didn't believe in him. They didn't love him. So he didn't reveal himself to them. And they didn't experience or know him. He doesn't reveal himself to those who are the smartest theologically. You may know multiple languages, Hebrew, Greek, Chaldean, Aramaic. I'm not knocking that. Latin. I'm not knocking that. But just knowing a bunch of stuff will not cause God to notice you. Or be drawn to you. Or reveal himself to you. Because compared to what he knows, (laughs) what you know (laughs) is a drip in the bottom of a thimble. Really? I mean, we need to remind ourselves who we're talking about. The creator of the heavens and the earth. The universe. How long has it been around? We have no idea. They tell us the light traveling to us from the farthest stars. That's just the ones we can see. Involve millions of years, billions of light years travel. We have no idea how long. We have no idea what else has gone on or what else. He is awesome beyond description. His knowledge What kind of power does it take for the gravitational pull of the stars and the planets to sustain them every millisecond? What kind of brilliance does it take to create a human body or a puppy dog? The flowers and the the seas and the mountains. You can believe that all this stuff just popped out by itself if you want to. But don't call it science. It's a belief. I said it's a belief. None of these folks can prove anything to you that it came in a godless manner. None of them were there. I said none of them were there. Nobody can prove God doesn't exist or God didn't create it. Nobody has. Nobody can. Because he did. You know, saying this is all just, it happened by itself, that's not science. It is a belief. It's a belief. I like my belief better than that belief. I have experience of it in my soul, in my life. The Creator has touched me. And I have touched Him. Hallelujah! You can't tell me I didn't, because I was there when it happened. It's like telling a fellow in a, in a swimming pool doing the backstroke. There's no water in there. There's no water in there. I'm wet. That's right. I mean, you can't tell me there's no water in there. I'm wet. A man with an experience is never at the expense of a man with a theory. I said a man with an experience is never at the expense of a man with a theory. He said, if any man love God, what happens? 
The same is known of him. Go with me to John 14. John 14, 21. What does it mean those that love God are known of him? It means he reveals himself to them. We've already gone over this and shown scriptures, but Isaiah, what is it, 45, 15, talks about you are a God who hides yourself. And he's also a God who reveals himself. He's both. God is hiding himself from some people on the planet while revealing himself to others. How can this be? Because some believe in him and some don't. Some love him and some despise him. And that's determining who gets to know more about him. You can't say, well, God, if you're real, prove it to me and I'll believe in you and love you. That's not how it works. You believe in him and he reveals himself to you. You love him, he reveals himself to you more. You love him more, he reveals himself to you even more. You say, well, I don't, I don't believe he even exists. Well, to you, it'll be like there is no God. And it'll be your fault, not his. He said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father. And I will what? Love him and I'll do what? I will manifest myself to everybody. No, to him. Him who? The one who loves me. How do you know he loves him? Because he does what he tells him to do. I'll manifest myself to him. Look at the Amplified on that again. He said, whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. I too will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Would you like God to be more real to you? It's not up to God. It's up to you, to me. You can initiate a greater experience Of your father God. How? By loving him more. The more you love him. The more he reveals himself to you. Does anybody care about this? So if God's been distant and unreal to you. It's entirely your own fault. It's because you've been too preoccupied. And care too much about other things. Instead of him. Oh, but hallelujah. I mean, since we've been into this series, I've been experiencing him more myself. I'm telling you, it's been stirring me up. My love for him is growing and increasing. It's my desire that that happens to everybody in the churches. Everybody watching online. Everybody. What? That you will love him more today than you did yesterday. And I'm telling you, when you do that and you draw near to him, and you can't fool him, he knows your heart. He knows your heart. And if you really love him more, you're going to experience the manifestation of his presence in your house, in your bedroom. He's going to show himself to you. He's going to make himself real to you. He's going to be more real to you than he's ever been. But it's entirely up to us how far that goes. Just say it by faith. Say, Lord, I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. And I love what you love 
And I hate what you hate. I love you. <laughs> it's a choice. I said it's a choice. And loving him means choosing him over other people and other things. The first commandment he gave was what? You shall, you shall have no other gods before me. And the next couple of verses he talked about him being a jealous God. And he talked about those that hate him and those that love him. What's the first commandment? You shall have no other God. Why would he say that? Why would that be first? Because it is entirely possible. And he knew it would happen with millions on the earth that they will love something else instead of him. And that's the big problem. Go with me to uh, 1 John, the second chapter. 1 John 2. It's not for us to judge anybody else, critique anybody else. Remember, that was the previous series, right? We haven't forgotten that one already, have we? <laughs> but it's for us to judge ourselves. How well am I doing? What do I love? Who do I love? In 1 John 2, verse 15. 1 John 2, 15 says what? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father, and actually that could read the love for the Father, is not in him. Is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away. So if you're loving the world and stuff that's in the world, it's going to be a temporary fling. <laughs> a momentary affair. Because pretty soon it's not even going to be around for you to love. Which means you made a foolish choice. <laughs> the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God... Now see, why would he say that? We just got through reading why. In John 14, 21, how do you know you love him? The one that does what he says. So this is another way of saying the one that loves him. The one that does the will of God, the one that loves God, abides forever. When all this stuff that people are oohing and eyeing over in the world is long gone, you and I are going to be with him. Hallelujah. And he's never going to change. It'll be obvious we made the right choice. Don't love the world. In the Amplified Version, verse 15, Amplified, do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. You can't love the ungodly world and love the Father. The two are in conflict. Can't do it. You wind up choosing one over the other. Because Satan is the God of this world, the scripture said. 
He's influencing it. The spirit that permeates this world is the spirit of selfishness, self-seeking, disobedience, rebellion. Some call it independence. (laughs) Or just being strong-willed. It's all kind of names for it. But it's being rebellious and defiant and disobedient. And uh, if you love the stuff that the enemy has influenced in the world, you love what God hates. And if you pick that to give your time to and your energies to instead of God, you're demonstrating, I love this more than I love him. I choose this, not him. And millions are doing that. I know something about you. Because you chose to come to church this morning. Yes, sir. You could be somewhere else. Yes, sir. You could be, is that right? You could be doing something else. Uh-huh. You know, it's okay to have a hobby. It's okay to enjoy sports. It's okay to enjoy a, a machine or fishing or whatever the case might be. But it's a problem if you love that more than you love him. And you give that all your time and all your money and all your attention and got no time for him for anything. Not even enough time to pray or read your Bible or go to church or be involved in any of his things in the kingdom. That just shows you you love that more than you love him. We've all made some poor choices in the past. But that's the past. Doesn't have to be today. Doesn't have to be tomorrow. We can choose him. Above everybody else. And everything else. We can love him. Above everybody else and everything else. But it'll be dim. It won't just be empty words. It'll be demonstrated. By what we do. With our time. Our talents. Our energies. Our resources. Our money. Our things. Where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. That's what you love. That's who you love. (laughs) There's a lot of different ways you could go with this. Don't love the world. Don't cherish the world. Or the things that are in the world. You know, some uh, years ago, the Lord was showing me some of these things. And I made a change in my vocabulary. I stopped saying, I love things. Or stuff. I don't love cars. I don't love houses. I don't love clothes. I don't love motorcycles. I don't love boats. I don't love airplanes. I don't love pizza. I don't love fried chicken. Come on, are y'all with me? I, I don't love pie or brownies. I don't love them. Now, people will try to laugh and say, well, what's the big deal? I, oh, I love me some brownies. But what's wrong with that? First of all, that's not going to help you. Secondly, a brownie will never love you back. Now, it may stick with you to the end. (laughs) I had to go and say that, didn't I? (laughs) That was a joke. But it won't love you. You can love your Mustang or your Camaro or your Firebird or your uh, truck. It will never love you back. 
Never. You can hug it and polish it and buff it and vacuum it and pet it and threaten people. Don't touch my baby. Don't touch my baby. And it just shows that your priorities are skewed. You don't realize that this thing is rusting and rotten as we speak. It's got everything down here. It's like a gallon of milk. It's got an expiration date on it. Everything. Your house, your clothes, everything. The Bible said everything down here, the elements of the earth are going to melt with fervent heat. It's all going to be gone. You shouldn't love. If you love something that is certain to be taken away from you, just depending on when, you are setting yourself up for needless heartache. You can enjoy things. You can appreciate them. You can be thankful for them. You can use them. But you don't love them. Say it out loud. I don't love money. I don't love things. I love God. And I love people. It helps. Just make that change in your vocabulary. It helps. And we don't want to love things in this ungodly world. Go with me to 2 Timothy, the third chapter. 2 Timothy 3. Now when he says the world, what's he talking about? God made the earth and everything that's in it. We should appreciate what he's made. But that's not what he's talking about. The world. What does it mean? He's talking about the world system. The world way and significant about the way of the world is that it is ungodly. Ungodly. This country was founded on faith in God. And it is sad to see so many things being done now where God is never even mentioned. He has been removed, 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 removed from schools, universities, prayers, athletic events, removed, 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 removed. When you take God out, what is left is ungodly. It's Ungod means without God. And that, if it's ungodly, that's what is worldly. If God's not there, what's there? Men looking to men. Men depending on men. Men's ideas. Men's opinions and theories. Men, men, men. It's nauseating. <laughs> People say, well, you leave your God at home. Then I can't come. Because <laughs> he's in me. Is that right? He's in me. And when I show up, he's going to be there. You can't separate me from him. I'm in him. He's in me. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You can't separate me and God with a laser beam. We are one spirit. How about you? You've been born again. You are one spirit. Separating you from God? Not possible. Not possible. (laughs) But the world 
What does it mean to be worldly? Basically, it means to be ungodly, without God, without God's word, his ways, his truths, his priorities, his values, etc., 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 without God. And if you love things that are godless, we're not loving him. How can you love what is godless and love the Father? If you love the Father, when they take God out of it, you don't like it anymore. Can you see this? Why? Because to you, God's the main ingredient in everything. When you take the God out, it don't taste good anymore. It's not, well, there's no God in this. Something's changed. Y'all changed this. What's wrong? This is not worth eating. We took the God out. Oh, no wonder. It's not fit for anything now. You ruined it. When you took God out of it, you ruined it. It's just a matter of time till it putrefies. Because he's the life in it. He's the truth in it. He's the light in it. He's the everything. That's what we loved about it. Right? <laughs> Don't take the God out. In 2 Timothy 3.1, he describes the last days. He said, know this also. In the last days, perilous times shall come. We're experiencing that. People all over the world. For men shall be what? Now, let's just stop right here. This is why... The times are so perilous. Why? Because men don't love God. They love their self. If men didn't love their self and loved God, it wouldn't be perilous. They're lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient of parents, unthankful, unholy. Now let's just stop. All those things, why are all those things that way? Because you took the God out. If you leave God in, children respect their parents. If you leave God in, you're thankful. If you leave God in, you're not proud, you're humble. If you leave God in, you're not covetous, you're a giver. But they took God out. Verse 3, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. That's what happens. No God in a child's life. All they get is ungodly, devilish TV, movies, violent video games. Come on, are you listening? Lust and greed and perversion and distortion. That's why they wind up unthankful, disobedient to parents. Come on, can you see this? Crazy enough to take a weapon and go shoot people somewhere? That's what happens when you take God out. That's what happens when you take God out. People lose their minds. They lose their life. They lose their perspective. There's no such thing as a wonderful, perfect, peaceful, utopian earth without God. No, so it cannot exist. It's an impossibility. I mean, who made the earth to start with? Who made us this over? You're going to kick out the creator. We can run this by ourselves. You didn't make it by yourself. You don't even know how it works. 
You're going to kick out the one who does. Kick out the one with all the answers. He said, verse uh, 4, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of what? Pleasures more than lovers of God. Pleasures. Millions of people in this country have stopped going to church. Their parents quit going to church and did what instead? Well, they go to soccer games, they have picnics, they go to the lake, they none of the which things would necessarily bad, but why is the only time you can do them? Same time church is going on. Well, can't you do them another time? Because it was no longer important enough to them to give any time to God, much less any money, much less any service time to do things in the church or in the ministries. So folks are doing what they love. They love racing. They love golfing. They love boating. They love travel. They love so people work and try to save, and try to maneuver, and everything is focused to where we can just do what we love all the time. What pleases me. See, this ties in back with the previous verse. Why do you always want to do what pleases you? Because you love you. (laughs) And when you love you more than everybody else, you want to make you happy. More than anybody else. And you spend all your time and effort and money to do what pleases you. Because you love you some you. (laughs) And everything's designed around making you happy. (laughs) And what that demonstrates, no matter what you say, is that you don't love God. You love you. You got no time for God. No money for God. No involvement for God. When you love God. You are kicked out. Of the front seat. You are kicked out. From the driver's wheel. Is that right? You are kicked off the throne. And you love him. When you love him. You love what he loves. And you want what he wants. And you're willing to give your time and your money and your efforts. The scripture said Jesus prophesied it. He said because iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold. And here we got folks that quit going to church, quit praying, quit reading their Bible, quit doing anything for God. Now they've got children that have, were born into a godless home and have grown up with no knowledge or experience of God at all. And what they were taught is love yourself and love what pleases you and give your life to make that happen. And they're miserable. I said they're miserable. They'll dream about it and if they get it, it's not going to satisfy it's not going to bring contentment. And then there will be discontent. Lovers of themselves. 
lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Somebody say, not me. Not me. I don't love myself more than God. I don't love pleasures more than God. I love God more than anybody, including myself. I love God and doing what he wants more than anything that I like. I love him. How's the only way to show that that's true? There are going to be choices. You wanted to do this, and God wants this. What you choose, or what I choose, shows what we love. And all the rest is just talk. <laughs> but what's, now come back to our text. Let's say you, you make the wrong choice. You choose what you love and what you want, making yourself happy. The moment you do that, God is going to begin to be less real to you. Can you see that? And then you quit coming to church, and then you quit reading your Bible, and then you quit praying. What's going to happen? God is going to be less and less and less real to you. It's going to be like God don't exist. But he didn't leave you. I said, he didn't leave you. He didn't change. You left him. Oh, but friend, just like we talked about earlier, the prodigal son, you can come to yourself. I said, you can come to yourself and you can say, we, I, I got to get myself back in church. I, we got to get these kids in church. We got to get, we got to get our uh, our, our tithes and our offerings. We got to get our time and our energies. We've got to love God. Hallelujah. And not let these other things be gods instead of him. You shall have no other gods. Whatever you give all of your time and all of your resources to, that's your God. People worship cars, hobbies. People worship these things. They give it their adoration. They give it all their time and all their money. And it's so pitiful because it's a lousy God. He can't hear a prayer. Can't answer a prayer. We'll never love you back. Say it again. I love God. I love God. Second Timothy 4. Turn there please. Now you would think. As we've already mentioned, if you really saw God and how wonderful he was, you'd love him and you'd choose him instead of everything. But it's just not the case. It is possible to see God clearly and choose something else. It's happening all around us. In 2 Timothy 4 and 6, after a uh, rich Amazing, exciting life of serving God, giving his all to God. Did Paul love God? Still does. How do we know he loved God? Look at what he did. I mean, he, he said, I, we've not been unfaithful concerning the heavenly vision. He took what God gave him and ran with it his whole life. He said, now I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me, as he one that loved God, a crown of righteousness that the Lord, 
the righteous judge shall give to me at that day. Not to me only, but unto all them that what? Love his appearing. We're not dreading his return. We're looking forward to his return. Verse 9. Do your diligence, he's talking to Timothy, to come shortly to me, for Demas has forsaken me. Why? Why? Having loved this present world. Wow. Now, he's, and he's departed to Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. What caused him to forsake Paul? His love for this present world. Where has he been? What has he seen? He's been with Paul. He's been helping Paul. He's been seeing what God's been doing in Paul's ministry. He has seen people healed. He has seen people delivered. He has seen, maybe he saw the dead raised. We know what happened in Paul's ministry. He has seen idol worshiping cities just going off the deep end. He has seen a group of believers come out from the midst of them and churches be born and established. The first churches that have ever existed on the planet. He's seen all that. He's been with a man who has personally had visitation of the head of the church, Jesus Christ. A man who's been caught up to the third heaven and saw and heard things he said he couldn't express. A man God used to help lay the foundation of the church you and I are a part of. A man God used to pen Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. And he decides, I don't want this anymore. I'm going to Vegas. We're going to party. I'm going to live it up. That's what I want. I want to drink. I want to get drunk. I want to get high. I want to sleep around. I want to be a big roller. I want, to, I want to drive in the fast lane. Could you say. If he had been around a better ministry. Maybe he could have seen how good God was. <laughs> no. But see. We, we can look back and read. And, and put these people on a, on a pedestal. And imagine that they weren't even human. But no. Being with Paul. Would have been a lot like being with other people today. I mean, the world is real. Flesh is there, right? I mean, you got to get yourself up every morning and get moving. You got to deal with all the stuff. It's it's life. It's this world. And having been around all this with Paul, Demas, who was his helper, maybe maybe you could say he was on staff with him. He was with him. He was helping him. He was involved with him. And Paul had to say, well, he, he has forsaken us. He left us. He left the church. He left the ministry. Where did he go? Not going on to do bigger, greater things for God. He loved this present world. He saw God. 
He knew God and decided he wants something else instead of God. Somebody say, by the grace of God, God. not me. me. I will not do this. I I don't love the world. I don't love the things that are in the world. I don't love pleasure above God. I don't love myself or family or anybody more than I do God. I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. I love God. I love my Jesus. I love my Father. I love His Holy Spirit. I love His holy people. I love His church. I love the gifts of His Spirit. Hallelujah. I love His good gospel word. I love the advancing of the kingdom of God throughout the earth. I love his coming and his soon return. The new heavens and the new earth that he has prepared. I love what is coming. I love him. I love him. I love him. I don't love this stinky, curse-filled, devil-influenced junk called the world. I don't love it. You take God out, you lost me. God's the only thing that made it worthwhile. Woo. <laughs> Can you say amen or oh me or we'll see? <laughs> Hallelujah. Why don't you go ahead and stand on your feet? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes. Lift up your hand. Don't think about me. Don't think about other people around about you. Focus on your God. And just straight from your heart to his. Tell him in English. Tell him in your known tongue. And then tell him in the spirit in other tongues. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him what he means to you. Tell him that he has the preeminent place above everything. And everybody in your life. Oh Father God. We worship you. Oh Lord I worship you. You are my God. I exalt you above everything. There are no other gods to me. There is no other God. Close to you. Or beside you. Or certainly not before you. In my life. I am not my own God. My family and friends are not my God. My hobbies are not my God. Pleasure is not my God. Money is not my God. Eating is not my God. Entertainment is not my God. You are my God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I worship you. 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 You're everything to me. Everything to me. Everything to me. Lord, you're what gives life meaning. You're what gives us purpose. 
Nothing is above you. Nothing is equal to you. I worship you. I love you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.